Section 16 of The Broad Highway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Broad Highway by Geoffrey Farnell. Section 16. Chapter 2. The Postilion. Good Lord! exclaimed the Postilion and fell back a step well said i meeting his astonished look as carelessly as i might lord love me said the postilion what now i inquired i never see such a thing as this ere said he alternately glancing from me down to the outstretched figure at my feet if it's bewitchments or only enchantments i don't like it strike me pink if i do what do you mean eyes continued the postilion slowly and heavily and with his glance wandering still eyes same nose identical mouth when not bloody same hair same figure same no i don't like it it's unnatural that's what it is come come i broke in somewhat testily don't stand there staring like a fool you see this gentleman is hurt unnatural's the word went on the postilion more as though speaking his thoughts aloud than addressing me it's a unnatural night to begin with seed a many bad uns in my time but nothing to equal this ere that i lost my way aren't to be wondered at then him and her a jumping out of the chaise and running off into the thick of the storm that's unnatural in the second place and then his face and your face that's the most unnaturalest part of it all likewise i never seen one man in two suits a clothes afore nor yet a standing up and a laying down both at the same identical minute unnatural's the word and i'm a-going stop said i as he began to move away not on no account then i must make you said i and doubled my fist the postilion eyed me over from head to foot and paused irresolute what might you be wanting with a peaceable civil spoke cove like me he inquired where is your chaise up in the lane somewhere's over yonder answered he with a vague jerk of his thumb over his shoulder then if you will take this gentleman's heels we can carry him well enough between us it's no great distance easy said the postilion backing away again easy now what might be the matter with him if i might make so bold ain't dead is he dead no fool i rejoined angrily voice like his too muttered the postilion backing away still farther yes unnatural's the word strike me dumb if it ain't come will you do as i ask or must i make you why i ain't got no objection to taking the gent's eels if that's all you ask though mind ye if i ever see such damned unnaturalness as this ere in all my days why drowned me so after some delay i found the overcoat and purse which latter i thrust into the pocket ere wrapping the garment about him and lifting my still unconscious antagonist between us we started for the lane which we eventually reached with no little labour and difficulty here more by good fortune than anything else we presently stumbled upon a chaise and horses drawn up in the gloom of sheltering trees in which we deposited our limp burden as comfortably as might be 
and where I made some shift to tie up the gash in his brow. It would be a fine thing, said the postillion moodily, as I at length closed the chaise door. It would be a nice thing if he was to go a-dying. By the looks of him, said I, he will be swearing your head off in the next ten minutes or so. Without another word, the postillion set the lantern back in its socket and swung himself into the saddle. Your best course would be to make for Tunbridge, bearing to the right when you strike the high road. The postillion nodded, and gathering up the reins, turned to stare at me once more, while I stood in the gleam of the lantern. Well, I inquired. Eyes, said he, rubbing his chin very hard, as one at a loss. Eyes, identical. Nose, same. Mouth, when not bloody, same. Air, same. Everything, same. Lord love me. Pembry would be nearer, said I, and the sooner he is between the sheets, the better. Ah, exclaimed the postillion with a slow nod, and drawing out the word unduly, and talking of sheets and beds, what about my second passenger? I started with two, and ears only one. What about number two? What about er? Her, I repeated. Er as was with him, number one. Er what was a quarrelling with number one, all the way from London. Er as run away from number one, into the wood yonder. What about number two? Er. Why, to be sure, I had forgotten her. Forgotten? repeated the postillion. Oh, Lord, yes. And leaning over, he winked one eye, very deliberately. Forgotten her. Ah, to be sure, of course. And he winked again. What do you mean? I demanded, nettled by the fellow's manner. Mean, said he. I means, as of all the damned unnaturalness as, as come on an honest, well-meaning, civil-spoke cove, why, I'm that there cove, so help me. Saying which, he cracked his whip, the horses plunged forward, and almost immediately, as it seemed, horses, chaise, and postillion had lurched into the black murk of the night and vanished. End of chapter 2 Chapter 3 which bears ample testimony to the strength of the gentleman's fists. Considering all that had befallen during the last half hour or so, it was not very surprising, I think, that I should have forgotten the very existence of this woman Charmian, even though she had been chiefly instrumental in bringing it all about, and to have her recalled to my recollection thus suddenly, and moreover the possibility that I must meet with and talk to her, perturbed me greatly and I remained for some time quite oblivious to wind and rain, all engrossed by the thought of this woman. A dark, fierce Amazonian creature, I told myself, who had, abhorrent thought, already attempted one man's life to-night. Furthermore, a tall woman, and strong, therefore unmaidenly, with eyes that gleamed wide in the shadow of her hair. And yet my dismay arose not so much from any of these as from the fact that she was a woman, and consequently beyond my ken. Hitherto I had regarded the sex very much from a distance, and a little askance, as creatures naturally illogical and given to unreasoning impulse, delicate, ethereal beings whose lives were made up of petty trifles and vanities, who were sent into this gross world to be admired, petted, occasionally worshipped, and frequently married. Indeed, my education in this direction had been shockingly neglected thus far, not so much from lack of inclination, for who can deny the fascination of the sex, as for lack of time and opportunity. 
for when as a young gentleman of means and great expectations i should have been writing sonnets to the eyebrow of some lady fair or surreptitiously wooing some farmer's daughter in common with my kind i was hearkening to the plaint of some greek or roman lover or chuckling over old brantum thus women were to me practically an unknown quantity as yet and hence it was with no little trepidation that i now started out for the cottage and this truly amazonian charmian unless she had disappeared as suddenly as she had come which i found myself devoutly hoping as i went i became conscious that i was bleeding copiously above the brow and that my throat was much swollen and that the thumb of my right hand pained exceedingly at the least touch added to which was a dizziness of the head and a general soreness of body that testified to the strength of my opponent's fists on i stumbled my head bent low against the stinging rain and with uncertain clumsy feet for reaction had come and with it a deadly faintness twigs swung out of the darkness to lash at and catch me as i passed invisible trees creaked and groaned above and around me and once as i paused to make more certain of my direction a dim vague mass plunged down athwart my path with a rending crash on i went wearily enough and with the faintness growing upon me a sickness that would not be fought down guiding my course by touch rather than sight until finding myself at fault i stopped again staring about me beneath my hand yet feeling the faintness increase with inaction i started forward groping before me as I went. I had gone but a few paces, however, when I tripped over some obstacle and fell heavily. It wanted but this to complete my misery, and I lay where I was, overcome by a deadly nausea. Now presently, as I lay thus, spent and sick, I became aware of a soft glow, a brightness that seemingly played all around me. Wherefore, lifting my heavy head, I beheld a ray of light that pierced the gloom, a long gleaming vista jewelled by falling raindrops whose brilliance was blurred now and then by the flitting shapes of wind-tossed branches at sight of this my strength revived and rising i staggered on towards this welcome light and thus i saw that it streamed from the window of my cottage even then it seemed i journeyed miles before i felt the latch beneath my fingers and fumbling opened the door stumbled in and closed it after me for a space i stood dazed by the sudden light and then little by little noticed that the table and chairs had been righted that the fire had been mended and that candles burned brightly upon the mantel all this i saw but dimly for there was a mist before my eyes yet i was conscious that the girl had leapt up on my entrance and now stood fronting me across the table you she said in a low repressed voice you now as she spoke i saw the glitter of steel in her hand keep back she said in the same subdued tone keep back i warn you but i only leaned there against the door even as she had done indeed i doubt if i could have moved just then had i tried and as i stood thus hanging my head and not answering her she stamped her foot suddenly and laughed a short fierce laugh so he has hurt you she cried you are all blood it is running down your face the country bumpkin has hurt you oh i am glad 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 and she laughed again 
I might have run away, she went on mockingly, but you see I was prepared for you, and she held up the knife, prepared for you, and now you are pale and hurt and faint. Yes, you are faint. The country bumpkin has done his work well. I shall not need this after all. See? And she flung the knife upon the table. Yes, it is better there, said I, and I think, madam, is mistaken. Mistaken, she cried, with a sudden catch in her voice. What, what do you mean? That I am the bumpkin, said I. Now, as I spoke, a black mist enveloped all things. My knees loosened suddenly, and stumbling forward, I sank into a chair. I am very tired, I sighed, and so, as it seemed, fell asleep. End of chapter 3 End of section 16